Word for the Week is a podcast of Canaan Community Church, dedicated to the balance of Scripture for the wholeness of life. Learn more at CanaanCommunity.org. I got a great summer question for you. It starts the, the, um, the chapter 11 that we're in in John. How do you smell? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm glad to hear that. There's probably a lot of lot of people like Kelly. They're sitting out there, go well. Right now, not so bad. But you know what? Um, you really don't know the answer to that question yet, um, because by the time we're done, we'll um, have another appreciation for what I just asked you. But for now, that's good. I'm glad you smell okay for now. The book of John has been an amazing um, ride so far in that there's these really eloquent patterns. Um, We said every chapter has two opposites, that uh, almost impossible opposites that, that John would bring up, and then he'd pull this incredible truth. One truth, two opposites, but they'd be the backdrop. And uh, the book of John is something else. It's the great I Am book. It's the one gospel that has a whole bunch of claims by Jesus, I am something or another in them. In chapter 10, for bragging rights, anybody remember what the two opposites were? Yeah, it's amazing if you can't cheat with your notes, huh? The two opposites in chapter 10 dealt with uh, true or false. Uh, True messiahs, false messiahs, uh, true followers, false followers. And uh, it ended with the great claim, my sheep know my voice, and I am the gate. One of the great I am's. And we looked at what that meant for a shepherd, and it was a big thing. But here's something that just blew me away, and I still haven't fully grasped this, so maybe you guys can give me some more fuel later on it. The opposites for chapter 10 were uh, the whole thing of true and false, dealing with the spiritual, followed up in chapter 11 of dead or alive. In the religion, this is, if we want to call it that, in the faith, in the Christian Uh, realm of things, true and false leads to dead or alive. It's not about, are you a good person? It's not about, are you religious? It's not about, are you respectable? It's about, are you alive or are you dead? Everything comes down to that. And there are signs, isn't it? You might say, well, gee, I'm glad I'm alive. Physically, okay. Spiritually, okay. But are you sure? There are signs. There are signs of life. We've got, um, uh, we explore space looking for signs of life. There's signs of spiritual life. Are they there? Matthew 25 points out that not everybody who thinks they've got this thing pegged actually does. But let's bounce back into here. We're in John, we're in chapter 11. And we could go nine different directions in this sermon. It's got, like every other 
chapter. It's got a ton of stuff going on. But we're going to stay with a certain focus of death and life. That's where we are today, death and life. So in major part, then chapter 11 kind of unfolds like this. Uh, there's a young man the Messiah loves, and he is sick. And they ask for Jesus, and he hasn't come. Why? John 11, 1 through 4. And now I'm, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his, uh, her sister Martha, skipping to three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. But can you imagine this? I want you to put yourself in their, their place for a, a bit. Mary and Martha watching their brother and Lazarus himself suffering. Because you know, when you're really sick, uh, you suffer. <laughs> when people have COVID, they really suffer. So here they are suffering and, and Lazarus is probably thinking to himself, this is, feels really bad, I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> Where's Jesus? He's just not there. Imagine if you found out that Jesus was only a, really a short hike away. And he could have been there, but he stayed away on purpose. How'd you feel about him then? Even 2,000 years later, we read this story, and, and the first question, until you read in the chapter that's going to come out of your, your mind, is going to be, why? This guy's sick, Jesus loves him, he's not showing up. Why? And the rest of the chapter is all about why. John 11, 4. The first answer Jesus gives us way, it's for the God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Oh, really? Through this poor guy suffering when Jesus could come and heal him? Can you imagine the disciples with him? They find out that this, this fellow, this friend of theirs, this loved one of theirs, Lazarus, is suffering a short distance away. Jesus won't go there. He's delaying. And then he says, it's for the glory of God. And it's like, what? If you want the glory of God, wouldn't you go heal him and then everybody be really impressed? I mean, that's what you do, right, Jesus? Why are you letting this guy suffer? Where's the glory in this? But John 11:5, 5, it just continues. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. John eleven fourteen. So then he told them plainly, now guys, he really isn't sleeping, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Wow, sounds kind of heartless, doesn't it? Why? So that you may believe. Well, we already believe, Jesus, we're here. What do you mean we'll believe? Hmm. But let's go to him. What's going on here? Can't you imagine how confusing that would be? Ever been there? Ever been suffering and say, I believe in a, in a mighty God, but I'm suffering anyway? What's this all about? I don't see any good in the situation as it unfolded. What's it all about? Did God lose control? You ever feel like God has lost control? Nobody's allowed to say no because I know you all 
And I know we've all had conversation. Well, look at where the world's going. And at the basis of it, it's kind of like God's lost control. Has God made a mistake? You know, did, did he just, Lazarus died? Did he make a mistake? They certainly felt that way. If nothing else, for Mary and Martha, they certainly felt like God had let them down. John 11:21. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Mary follows up in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you were where you were supposed to be, my brother wouldn't have died. Can't blame them. Living through the suffering and the pain, but what was the reason? It better be a really good one. All the anguish, the suffering, because it's suffering through the disease to the point of dying. It was the whole course that was followed. Why? John eleven seventeen. on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is an important thing. It gets echoed twice. And the deal with four days, this was no um, coincidence or accident. See, most of the healing that got done was when somebody had just died. This is a very unique resurrection, if you will. Most of the people Jesus raised, they had just died. And maybe they were just in a coma. Uh, there could be a lot of arguments that way. But the idea in the Jewish faith that four days in that climate, when someone had died, the idea was the spirit hung around the body until the fourth day because by that time it became so decayed that it wasn't recognizable and then the spirit would leave. So four days is to say, get, we want you to realize, yeah, Lazarus was dead, dead. No question about it. He was dead, dead. And he had to be for what's going to follow in the chapter. There had to be no mistake. But let's stay in the story a little bit. They don't know that yet. Jesus finally does show up. They finally get out at the tomb. And then Jesus says the craziest thing. Take away the stone. Take away the stone from the tomb. How about giving us a tomb? Is it coming? Okay. This is probably... Um, something like what they would have, which is another point in this is that tombs are expensive. You know, if Jesus would have just healed Lazarus, he could have saved the family a whole lot of money and grief. Funny how he can have other priorities. But Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the, uh, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. You can get that in different translations. Sometimes it says a bad odor. No, no, stench. Or even better, I like the uh, old King James. He stinketh. For he has been dead for four days. Now there's another test going on here that maybe you didn't think of. So far they've suffered without knowing why all the sickness watching him. They suffered through his death. The only thing at this point they got left is memories, right? At least 
So my last memory of my brother is how we tried to keep him comfortable on his bed. Now, four days later, open the tomb. The last memory for Martha would become a rotting corpse. What's the last memory of your brother? Well, he had a pretty bad stench. And uh, he, was in, he was just wrapped up in these grave clothes. Even her memories would be stolen away. So there's a faith thing going on here because if nature follows its course, she is going to be stolen. You know, her memory, her best memory will be stolen. Her last memory will become this ugly thing. Or it will become something so incredible that it'll be hard to believe. But one way or the other, whatever she sees, when that tomb opens, she will never unsee. It's going to be in her mind and heart forever. Whole point here is, you know, sometimes your physical life and your spiritual life really intersect. And that's what's happening here because if this Jesus, he's no longer an abstract, he's not just a great talker, either he is the son of God who is greater than death itself or there's going to be a really bad memory happen here. Which is it going to be? Well, like we said, all the opposites of the chapters up until now have the conversation with Nicodemus when the woman at the well and the healing of people who were afflicted, uh, afflicted with something or another, it all comes down to this, the gospel is about alive or dead. When that stone rolled back, whoever was inside would be alive or dead, and it would all depend on who Jesus Christ really is. So, how does it go? Well, was the delay a necessity? Let's just back up there for a little bit. John 11:4. it's for the glory, uh, God's glory and for the glory of his son. John 11:15. so that you may believe. John 11:40. did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Something very big is going to happen here one way or the other. And then the evidence of whatever is etched on those tomb walls will stay for all time. Pretty much, because here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about this day, this tomb. Now, the majority of ancient Jews, what did they believe? Well, they had kind of a hazy picture of the afterlife. Uh, most of them believed there was something, even beyond Sheol, the, the grave, that there would be a time that somehow God was going to do some type of a resurrection. Not quite sure how, but there was that kind of a thing going on. For some, like the Sadducees, who stayed in the first five books of the Bible, said, we don't see anything about an afterlife. We don't even believe in it. So you had hazy, at best, that what was coming down the, uh, the pike of eternity. So what Jesus says is monumental. No Jew had ever said this before. No Jew had even hoped this before. John eleven twenty four. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, whatever that means. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am 
the resurrection. Not that there will be one, not affirming it, not saying, let me give you some better details. No, I am the resurrection and the life. Here was this hazy, abstract truth, and now Jesus is saying, this thing about resurrection, you're looking at it. It has this face. It has this voice. You're talking to the resurrection. Just became very, very much alive. That's the big question, you know. It, it still remains to be the question for all of us and what really matters in our souls. Okay, I know you're breathing, so you're physically, you're there, but in your soul, in the depths of yourself, are you alive or are you dead? Every human being on the planet, are they alive or are they dead? It's one or the other. It's a wonderful thought with the evidence that happens, the stone is rolled aside and Here's how it turns out, John 11:41. So they took away the stone, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Well, what's going to happen? Was there a stench? The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, here it is. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Greatest commandment through scripture. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Do you know the entire essence? You want to wrap up all of the gospel in one line? Take off the grave clothes and let them go. What does it mean to evangelize and, and, and try and talk about salvation? Or what if uh, you have pastors like Chris who does everything for spiritual formation and just a passion for discipleship and finding a purpose in life and discovering your gifts. You know what it all comes down to? Take off the grave clothes and let them go. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. It's about alive or dead. And the evidence says this Jesus really can and does pull it off. There's important illustrations in here we don't want to miss. And I want to back up a little bit to start working this back into our original question. John 11:39, Lord, by this time there is a stench. Death has an odor, doesn't it? Ever have a mouse die in your house? Some people, oh no, our house is too clean. Well, <laughs> Kathy does a, a really good job, but uh, we live in the woods and we do get a mouse. And once you smell, even a mouse, you, that smell of death, you never forget it. You can't unsmell that smell. I feel bad for, uh, really, for soldiers who we were dealing with 
freedom here today as we talk about the 4th of July, but anybody who's in battle, they say, uh, especially like the Second World War of modern warfare, the smell they remember is oil, excrement, and decay. That smell just doesn't go away. If you haven't smelled that, I bet you you at least forgot something in the refrigerator in your little Tupperware dish, and then you, then you didn't know, what's this? And you opened it up and you said, whoa, that was a mistake. That's decay, right? That's, it has a smell. Death has an odor. And once you smell it, you can't mistake it. But you know, um, newly animated life has a smell too, doesn't it? In the spring, when you, the rain comes down, you, you get the smell of the flowers coming up, or a puppy. Ever a new puppy, or, or if you're a Kowalski, a new kitten? <laughs> what, what do you do when you stick your nose in that fur? You can't help, man. You've got to hug and love on that thing. Or the diapers aside, a newborn baby. Oh, when you smell the skin of a newborn baby, what do you want to do? You just want to love on that baby. You just, just want to hug them. There's a smell, isn't there, to, to things that are newly alive. And the, the facts, when we talk about this physically, it's just as true spiritually. Just as true spiritually. You want a simple Bible truth? I'll give you one. If you stink, you're dead. If you stink, you're dead. Now, we're talking in the context of these chapters, but... Okay, I know you're being a little abstract there. You're talking to spiritual. What does it smell like then? What does death smell like spiritually? You don't have to guess. It's in Scripture. It's the hot smell of anger or rage. It's the bitter smell of jealousy or envy. It's, it's a putrefied smell of egotism or pride. It's a sickening smell of gossip or division or dissension. You know that, uh, hey, just between me and you, I heard a rumor. Hey, do you know about that guy? You know, division. It's the darkness of human nature avoiding the light of truth. It develops a hunger for what's petty or perverted or prideful and has an aversion to God's word or thinking in terms of those words. Very gratifying in the class. I loved it when Sarah said, Pray, what do you pray? You pray the word. The word is truth. If you don't pray in truth, what does it matter? It has a smell. Your prayers have a smell to them. There is a smell in either ways. Uh, there's the smell of murder to um, spiritual death. Not just physical, but that smell of killing someone's integrity or reputation or setting a life off track, it has a very negative smell. Very negative smell. Now, it shouldn't surprise us, just going through this, people complain about maybe things that are going on out in the world. Why should we complain? Death stinks. <laughs> you can't blame a corpse for smelling. That's what happens. What's really sad, though, is when you have that smell in the church. Churches can stink, too. They can have a stench. Well, 
Let's be more positive. What does is, what is spiritually alive stuff smell like? Well, did you know it has a kind of a fruity smell? That I put out there. See, uh, yeah, it's true. I've learned this from Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It smells like that. Against those things, it, it doesn't worry about laws because it doesn't break any laws. It, it has an aversion to the flesh, but not to Christ. Even though the smells are pretty clear, I have to point out one other thing. The dead smell, but they have no sense of smell. They have no sense of smell. They don't recognize the stench. Found something that whether it's in churches or outside, have you ever exhorted somebody who is definitely not smelling of the spirit? Chances are you end up being met by hostility or indignance or diversion or hostility or, or resentfulness. They just don't smell it because the dead don't smell and the dead don't repent. Wow, that sounds kind of hopeless. Well, let's come back to the story. How did Lazarus come out of the tomb? Lazarus said, God, come forth. Take off those grave clothes and let's go. We can love because he first loved us. We can love and we can smell what we, even the stench in our own lives as he brings at least our spiritual nose to life. There would be no hope for any of us. That's why the whole chapter was worth it. It goes down through history. How do you learn how to smell? I am the resurrection. That connection has to be made. And then we start smelling things. John eleven forty three. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. We're all born in a tomb of sin. Every one of us is born with a sin nature. There's no use trying deny, to deny that. But honestly... Have you heard the voice in some sense in your heart, in your mind, in your understanding, in the vision of your eyes where God has said, Chris, come forth. Take off the grave clothes and let's go. Kelly, come forth. Sandy, come forth. Take off the grave clothes and let's go. If we did nothing else today, a wonderful thing to take with us would be at least to implore God to give us a spiritual nose. If nothing else, just to keen up the smell sense in our spiritual noses. Because you have death and then you have decay and there Decay has this way of seeping in, too. You know, you think of teeth and cavities. We all know there's no point in putting off 
getting the cavity taken care of because what's going to happen? It only gets worse, right? It only gets worse. And it can have a smell and people will go, whoa, your breath, you know, and you don't notice it, but they do because there's this decay going on. The same thing happens spiritually. Sometimes people don't realize in their manner, in their interactions, in their attitude, what priorities they have, how they fuel the passion of their days. There's decay going on and everybody else smells it, but they don't. And it takes God and it takes a call that we heed to know what's going on. The kingdom of God, not in here to make you feel better, not in here really to make you feel worse, not in here to give you some great how-to advice. It's just to point this out. The kingdom of God is based on this. You're alive or you are dead, one or the other. I pray we take away the question and, and that we ask for that keen sense and then we spend some time asking ourselves a question. Judging by my life, the way I am, what others see through me, especially those who are alive in the spirit, how do I smell? How do I smell? That's the gospel. That is what the gospel is.